0: 2 Corinthians chapter number 6, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and look with me in verse number 11. The Bible said, O ye Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you, our heart is enlarged. You're not straightened in us, but you are straightened in your own bowels. For now for a recompense in the same, I speak as unto my children, be ye also enlarged. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers." For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I'll be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Let's bow for a word of prayer, then you can be seated. Our precious Heavenly Father, Lord, as we bow in your presence this morning, God, we come with a grateful heart. We're thankful that you've let us be in church today. God, we're thankful for Bible Baptist Church and God, we know that it's not within ourselves, but it's within you this morning. Thank you for your presence. And I pray that you'll bless the reading of thy word. I pray the Holy Ghost will take the message of this hour. And may we open our hearts and receive with meekness the engrafted word. God, we pray this morning that we would see no man save Jesus only. And we'll thank you for it. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want you to notice right off in the early verses of this passage here four things that the Apostle Paul uh, talks about and reveals uh, concerning himself and this church. Notice with me in verse number 11 uh, that Paul talks about uh, his sincerity concerning the church. He said, O ye Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you and our heart is enlarged. Now what does that mean? It means that Paul has opened his heart to them. It is enlarged uh, and he is speaking freely to them, just like you would a family member. You sit around the house and with that companion or with your children, you talk in a manner, you talk uh, uh, in in a more casual form than what you would uh, uh, with others that you're maybe not as close to. The reason for that is because your heart is enlarged. You love them and so therefore uh, you say, uh, uh, you talk more intimately with them. And the Apostle Paul is showing the sincerity that he has for this church uh, that he truly loves them and he speaks to them very openly and he speaks to them with a heart that is full of love. So he talks about his sincerity concerning this church and then in verse number 12 he reveals his struggle concerning this church. The Bible says here, you're not straightened in us but you're straightened in your own bowels. What does that mean? It simply means that though the apostle Paul has opened his mouth and opened his heart to this church, uh, not all of them has opened their heart to him. There are many in the church that, uh, that do not uh, agree or do not love the Apostle Paul in the same manner that Paul loved them. You say, preacher, why is that? For two reasons. Number one, uh, because there had been people on the outside that had been saying negative things about the Apostle Paul and they had stolen the hearts of some of those that were on the inside. Another reason that they did not uh, uh, open their heart to the Apostle Paul, some did not, most did not, was because uh, they didn't like some of the preaching of the Apostle Paul, he was dealing with the sins of the flesh and he was dealing with uh, the carnality that was in the church and the sin that was in the church. And some, while they appreciated that, there was always some that didn't. You know, that's a lot like today, amen. If you and I are not careful, we can allow others that are on the outside uh, to change our mentality and our thought about those that are on the inside, amen. I've seen it down through the years. People come to this church, love the church, love the man of God, love his wife. Uh, uh, but then all of a sudden they begin to listen to things on the outside it stole their heart it changed their way of thinking they were influenced and that is what happened here at the church of Corinth so Paul is struggling with this church he he loves them but he is struggling with them and not only does he reveal his struggle concerning this church but look at verse 13 he talks about his solution concerning this church he tells this church what they need to do he said now for a recommend and the same I speak uh, as unto my children be also enlarged amen Paul says here look I sincerely love you but I'm struggling because or you're struggling uh, uh, to love me back and so Paul says would you do this would you just open your heart uh, to the things that I'm trying to say unto you you know I want to tell you if you'll come to church with an open heart towards your church an open heart toward the man of God and an open heart toward the Bible. Do you know what? God will do things in your life. Can I get a witness right there? You and I have got to be very careful that we don't let the outside influence what happens on the inside. That we don't let others steal our heart. That we don't give our heart to the world. That we don't give our heart to the flesh. uh, That we don't give our heart to the devil. That we don't give our heart to friends. That we don't give our heart to family members. Amen. You let a family member talk about your church long enough. uh, If you listen to that, guess what? You'll start after a while wondering if your church uh, is the will of God for you. Amen. If you let people on the outside uh, uh, that listen don't have the same beliefs in the word of God because they're not going to the right kind of church uh, or the right kind of place. uh, If you go to work with them and let them talk about your church uh, and you apologize about things in your church after a while you know what? You won't love your church like you used to love your church. Uh, Paul is just simply saying the solution is this. Don't open your heart to people on the outside Open your heart to the things uh, on the inside. Amen. Amen. You know that's good for all of us this morning isn't it? I'm telling you listen even as a a preacher this morning I'm not going to open my heart to I thank God for other churches I appreciate uh, getting to go in and preach and try try to help other churches it's the Lord that helps any of us if we get any help but can I be honest with you I don't open my heart to other churches amen God put me here this is the will of God for my life and I love you and I believe you love me this morning and we all together love the Lord, isn't that right first and foremost? Uh, And it's because of that that God uh, has been good to us. Amen. When I think about what Paul is dealing with, all these things that he talks about is important. Open your heart to your church. Don't come with a bad spirit. Don't come with a bad attitude. Don't come with a, a critical spirit. Don't come, uh, uh, listen, to, uh, just going through the motions, but open your heart and say, God, I need something this morning. I need you to do something in my life uh, and put something in so you can get something out. We need some ameners. Can I get that right? Uh, an amen on that. We need some folks uh, uh, that will participate. We need some folks that will open their heart and say, Dear God, if you want to say something to me in the uh, today, if you want to speak to me, in a manner, if you'll just nudge my heart, I'll go to the altar and do something about it this morning. Paul deals here with a solution concerning this church, but then he reveals something else. He reveals his subject concerning this church, and it's what I want to preach on this morning. In verse number 14, down to verse number 18, and really chapter 7 and verse 1, as we read that this morning, Paul deals with one subject This morning that was a very sensitive subject in the church of Corinth and can I tell you it's a very sensitive subject today he deals with biblical separation, amen and I want to preach a few minutes this morning and I may preach tonight, I'll just uh, preach as much as I think you can stand amen, when I think you've had enough or when I've had enough uh, we'll pull the plug and go home and we'll come back again tonight, but I want to preach from this text this morning on Bible separation, amen Amen. Bible separation, amen Uh, this is what I love about the Apostle Paul in this text. Now, if you think about the verses we just talked about and you think about where Paul is at, when he comes to verse number 14, I'm gonna tell you where Paul is at. And this is what I love about the Apostle Paul. It's how you know Paul was genuine, amen? You see, Paul spent 10 verses uh, when he opened up this chapter talking about a true man of God and a true minister of God and what the ministry is really all about. And then he begins in verse number 11 that we've read down to verse number 13. And he reveals the fact that I love you, but some of you don't love me and you don't love my message the way that you're supposed to because either the way you're living or the influences that you've had on the outside. But yet, even though that's the, the, the setting, that's the circumstance, Paul loved them enough not to tell them what they wanted to hear, but he loved them enough to tell them what they needed to hear, amen? It would have been very easy for Paul uh, to bypass this subject and not dealt with was separation because he was already uh, not winning a popularity contest with this crowd, but in spite, uh, he told them what God said and what they needed. I tell you, I want to go to a church where the preacher will not tell me what I want to hear. He'll not listen, just tell me what will make me feel good and feel happy, and I like to do both, Uh, uh, but he'll love my soul enough, uh, uh, even at his own expense, uh, even at his own popularity, he'll tell me the truth. Amen. Amen. I take no pleasure in what I'm about to say this morning, but there are times that God has laid a message on my heart to preach, and I knew, and I wasn't preaching it to a certain person or people, but I knew that it wasn't going to be received by them. And there's been times that that I got up to to preach maybe at another church, and and, and I could look, and I could tell what God had put on my heart in this crowd It's not going to fit. Amen. I thought I'm preaching two sermons tonight. My first and my last. Amen. I can tell you a place I, I knew. I leaned over and told my wife. I said, I'll never be back here again. She said, why? I said, Just you'll find out at the end of the service. I wasn't mean. I wasn't malicious. I didn't have a bad spirit. I traded lightly in the fact of, of my own spirit. I didn't come to, to, to tell them off. I, I didn't want to put the pastor in any uh, kind of predicament. I, I didn't take pastoral authority in, the, in that sermon. I just preached what was in the Bible. Amen. Uh, but they were doing the very thing that God, I'll tell you one night, I was preaching in this church. I, uh, they had a praise team. Now, i I get a witness on this. I'm 1,000% against a praise team. The only praise team we got around here is people that raise their hand and Say amen praise God but they had a praise team and I looked down at the message that I had I didn't know they was going to have a praise team or I'll tell you what I would not have come I'm just being honest with you about that wouldn't have showed up I'd have called a preacher and said get somebody else but I looked down you know what the title of the sermon was while the praise team was praising I'll just stick with the old stuff amen that's what God told me to preach, so it's what I preached. Pastor met me at the back door and said, you're not coming back. I said, okay, don't want to, praying for you, amen. Y'all have a good night and went home. But you know what? I'm just simply saying, I don't have any regrets in that because, hey, I wanted them to hear the truth. And if one person walked out of that church that night and said, you know what? The Bible's right, that's wrong. It was worth going and preaching, amen. But what I'm saying is this morning, I love you as a pastor, and i tell you what I want us to be as a church, I I still want us to believe in separation, don't you? I still want us to believe in Bible separation. I'm not talking about man-made rules. I'm not talking about uh, man-made listen, uh, uh, things but I'm talking about taking a Bible and living our life uh, in a separated form and fashion, amen? And regardless, contrary to popular belief today, Bible separation is still in that book. Can I get a witness right there? I want to give you a few things about separation this morning, however many the Lord let me give and we'll be done. Number one, I want you to see in verses 14 down to verse number 16 the principles. Of separation. You see here what the apostle Paul does is very interesting. He tells them here, you see separation is found all throughout the word of God, amen? It's in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And Paul is gonna give them six essential things uh, that will help them grow in the Lord Jesus Christ uh, by practicing Bible separation. You see, Bible separation, look at me for just a moment. It's not, and I'm, a, I'm for a list. Somebody say amen right there. I believe in, if you're a, Christian and you live separated, you will have a list, amen? But more than having a list, you better have the principle in your life. If all you have is I'm against 10 things, you miss the whole point of separation. Bible separation is a principle that we live by. I don't have to write down how many things I'm against I don't have to log it down. You know why? Because it's a principle this morning. You see, salvation, when we get saved, salvation, when we get born again, we get the life of the Father. But it's in separation. We fully enter into the love of the Father. Like it's already been said this morning and sung about, he loves me like I was his only child. But the problem is not God's love toward me. The problem a lot of times, and all the time if there's a problem, is my love toward God. I can say that God is all always loved me the way that he was supposed to. He has loved me more than what I deserve. But the problem is sometimes I I don't love him the way I'm supposed to. And sometimes my love has waned and not been what it should be. Separation helps me enter fully into the love of God. You see, Paul Paul lays out six things. I'll give them to you and move home. You see, Paul tells us in verse number 14 that righteousness demands the principle of separation. He said in verse number 14, notice he said, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers? Now, well, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? Now, that phrase unequally yoked simply means this. He takes it from Deuteronomy 22 in verse number 10 where the Bible says that thou shalt not plow an ox and an ass together and the reason for that is because the ox uh, uh, was uh, uh, was uh, was a clean animal and the ass was an unclean animal. They had two totally different natures, amen? Uh, so it would not be right, it would be wrong uh, to yoke them up together and expect them to pull in the same direction, amen? And so it is with we that are saved and them that are unsaved, amen? What fellowship, the Bible says here, uh, hath righteousness with unrighteousness, amen? We're not to be unequally yoked. Uh, with unbelievers is what that book says. And that has to do, my friend, with whether it be a marital relationship, whether it be a business partnership, whether it be, listen, uh, uh, joining some fraternity in a college, uh, or whether it have something to do with with some social club or some lodge, amen, uh, every bit of that. uh, What the Bible is saying here is that when you and I uh, enter into some relationship or some partnership uh, with somebody that is an unbeliever, that here is what's going to happen somewheres along the way we are going to be challenged to compromise our demands and our devotion to God. Amen. So the Bible says here that righteousness, you want to live a righteous life? Don't hang with unrighteous people. Isn't that right? You want to live a righteous life, keep unrighteousness out of your life. Amen. That's a principle. Righteousness demands that. You say, preacher, how serious is God about separation? Well, it's all through the Bible. If you go back to Genesis chapter number 1, the first thing that God did was he created the heavens and the earth, isn't that right? And the Bible said the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and then God said, "Let there be light." Amen. So what did God do on the morning of Creation. He created the heavens and the earth, uh, and then God, uh, uh, the spirit of God moved uh, upon the earth, uh, and the Bible said then there was light, and after God uh, created the light, you want know the Bible said that God separated the light from the darkness, amen? And all down through the word of God and through life, God has always made a distinction between what's light and what's dark, amen? What's righteous and what's unrighteous. So if you and I are gonna live by the principle of Bible separation, Uh, then you and I have got to choose by choice uh, to live a righteous life and choose uh, not to live an unrighteous life. Is that right this morning? And so we see that righteousness demands it. And then we see here this morning uh, that not only does righteousness demand it, but look at verse number uh, 14. We see that reality demands it. He said here for what communion hath that light with darkness? As I just mentioned, light and darkness cannot coexist. Can I get a witness on that? brother I'm telling you listen if you turn the light on you know what happens the darkness has to flee isn't that right light and darkness cannot dwell together I want to tell you we do not need this world's dark philosophies we don't need this world's dark religion we don't need this world's dark traditions we don't need this world's dark rationale we don't need this world's dark theology this morning we need to separate ourselves and live in the light of God's word and God's will and God's work and live in the light of God's way listen that's the reality. You have been called out of darkness and you have been brought into the light. Amen. And can I tell you this morning, the principle of separation in verse number 14 is that righteousness demands that in our life and the reality of the fact that I'm not them and you're not them no more. And so I can't yoke up with them. I can't walk with them. I can't fellowship with them. I can witness to them. I can give them the gospel, but we are not them if we've been saved. Amen. Now I want to tell you this morning, if you despise Bible separation and you choose and you desire to live in this world and as this world and of this world, you might ought to check up this morning. Does it mean that any of us can't live worldly? And the truth is none of us live separated enough. Can we get an amen on that? But the fact is those that have no desire for righteousness, you're not saved. You say, well, preacher, I, I like doing this and that. And I really don't care. I just have to get through church and, and read my Bible and all these different things. I, I really, I'm just not interested. You don't have anything on the inside. You know, when you get saved, there's a desire to come out from this world. I'm talking about righteousness demands it. Reality demands it this morning. And then redemption, look at verse 15. He said, what concord hath Christ with Belial? Listen, that, that word concord means harmony. And that word Belial means Lord of the forest. You, in the Old Testament, listen, uh, I can't even go into the detail of the false god of Belial that they would worship the perverseness and the vileness of, of that so-called worship in, that, in, the, in those woods, in that forest that they would go in. And basically Wubalai represents, he represents Satan himself. And so the principle of separation is that God and Satan have never been in harmony. Amen? God and Satan has never got along. Listen, Satan fears the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Because he knows that he's already defeated him at Calvary. And he knows he's going to cast him in the lake of fire in the end. Amen? I want to tell you, friend, the devil, my friend, fears. And so you and I cannot live a wicked life and live a gone Godly life at the same time. He's talking about redemption demands that. We've been bought with a price, is what the Bible says. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Because you and I have been saved, because we've been bought with a price, we ought to want to live and we ought to desire to live a separated life. Amen. About that this morning. Are you saved? Then, secondly, are you living a separated life? You know, Lot's a great example. The Bible said in 2 Peter chapter number 2 and verse number uh, 7 and 8 that he vexed his righteous soul in the counsel of the ungodly. Had Peter not written that down, every one of us would have thought that Lot died and went to hell. Because Lot lived such a worldly wicked life that he lived like a lost man and he died like a lost man. And had it not been for what Peter wrote down, we would have thought Lot was a lost man. I want to tell you this morning, Lot never found his place in Sodom. He never found his place. You know why? Because he was redeemed. He had been born again. His life, he had faith in God. And that faith, my friend, allowed him to not be comfortable. You could quit church. You could go somewhere else. uh, You could join a worldly church today. But can I tell you something? There's always going to be something in the back of your mind in the back of your heart that's going to tell you that old time church you left that old time preaching that King James Bible that standing for what's right that holy living that righteous living It's always going to be something on the inside that's going to tell you that's right and this is wrong amen you see I don't have to defend what we believe this morning I'm not getting on social media and being a social warrior and fighting somebody against something and what they stand for and what they believe you know why because when you're right, you're right. Amen? And when you're right, you need no defense. Amen? I'm telling you, just believe it, preach it, stand on it, live it. I'm not going to let some Johnny come lately that's come along uh, and try to shake me uh, in something I believe or what I stand. Uh, Hey, Bible separation was right in the Old Testament. It's right in the New Testament. It's right in the church age. Uh, It was right in the 50s. Uh, It was right in the 60s. Uh, It was right in the 70s. Uh, It was right in the 80s and the 90s. Uh, And it's still right in 2000s. Uh, I'm I'm simply telling you, it was right then, it was right now. And I'm not shaking on that this morning. When I got saved, I didn't know what separation was. And I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't live separated for a very long time. One by one, service by service, sermon by sermon, little by little. God, you know what he did? The same thing he did in your life. He began to knock the rough edges off. He began to deal with things. I'm so glad that when I got saved, God, the Holy Spirit didn't run up to me like a lot of Baptists would. And so now what you need to do is go get a suit and tie and this and that. You've got to you gotta get a haircut, and I believe in every bit of that. And you've got to stop this and start this and stop this and start this. Man, I'd have been overwhelmed. But the graciousness of God's Spirit Amen. dealt with one thing. And when I'd get victory over that, he'd deal with another thing. Isn't it good to be saved? I'm telling you, I'm talking about by the principle of separation is redemption demands it. You can take somebody that is unsaved and thank God if you're rearing children that are lost, thank God for your convictions, your standards, keep them up. Don't back up, don't give in. You keep implementing them in their life. But while you're teaching them how to live for God, know that ultimately you have to, God, the Holy Ghost has to bring them to the place where they love God because if they ever love God and they get born again it listen you won't have to push them to live for God amen you want to know why so many church members today you got pump and prime and push just to do just a little bit they don't love him like they're supposed to but when you love him living for him is very easy amen I want to tell you this morning the principle as to why we do what we do is not to brag is not to boast I'm always leery of people that boast about their convictions. Amen. Y'all still with me out there, right? Let's not have a Methodist service this morning. But I, I, I worry about people that, that want to tell you everything they believe. The first time or two you meet. Because I'm going to tell you something. Well, they say, well, I do this, this, and there and I don't do these things. You ever heard that? Anybody ever heard anybody like that? Well, I'll tell you something. You don't do enough. We don't live clean enough. And and They're proud. They're proud that uh, they don't smoke and they don't chew and they don't run with those who do. But they've missed the purpose. The principle of separation, redemption demands it. Reality demands it. Righteousness demands it this morning. I want to tell you not only that, but reasoning. Reason demands it. Reasoning. Notice what he said in verse 15. He said, In what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? There's believers and unbelievers. There's gnostics and agnostics. There's uh, there's there's theists and atheists. This morning. When you think about it, you're on one side of the fence. You're either a believer or an unbeliever. And I'm not talking about with your head. I'm talking about with your heart. Your heart, if you really believe in your heart, it it affects the way you live your life. Uh, Listen, we're living in a society that has learned how to use rhetoric uh, and talk about God and say things about God. And they'll talk about how much they love God and how much they, they love living for God and they pray to God and God answers their prayers. But then look at their Facebook. Am I telling the truth? Look at what they say. A boy I went to school with commented on something a place that we had been at a church and and, and he said he talked about God to the point that I thought well maybe he got saved. And then I went over and I I looked at his at his page and brother Allen uh, just, I mean, just a few hours after he had made that comment, well, he was cussing every other breath. So what'd you do? Something you can't do in real life, I deleted him. <laughs> do you think? I, I'm, I'm glad God didn't give us the power to delete people. <laughs> Some of y'all be missing, you know that? <laughs> I had to delete him. And here's the problem. People will talk about God and everything, but then they'll just strip all their clothes off. That ain't the same God I serve. Amen. Amen. I want to tell you this morning, Jesus has a question for that crowd today. Why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things I say? Why do you get up and talk about how much you love God, but you live like the devil in the world? I'm not telling you are not saved, but I'm telling you you better check up. I wouldn't want what you got this morning. I'm just being honest with you. I'm talking about this morning. When we think about the principle is redemption, reasoning. It just makes sense when you look at it. What part would a believing person have with an infidel, an unbeliever? No part whatsoever. Then he talks about religion demands it. Look at verse number 16. What agreement hath the temple of God With idols. You know the word agreement, it means this to have an understanding with or to be on common ground. Well, I want to say this morning, there's so many idols in America today. So many idols. The coronavirus has stopped some of those idols, those gods. But I want to tell you, America, as much as I love her this morning, and I thank God for America, but luxury and pleasure and prosperity and Entertainment has, this nation is drunken on it this morning. Forty years ago when a man preached that, the whole church would say amen. You know why it's so quiet in most of our churches when we say that now? Because most of them are ate right up with it. The God of sports, football and baseball and basketball, the God of NASCAR, Hollywood, movies, materialism, possessions. You know, there's nothing wrong if well, there's nothing wrong if if you're allowed to uh, if God allows you to to have things that that money can buy, as long as you don't lose the things that money can't buy. Amen. And I'm afraid in America, even in a lot of our good churches, people have sold out their relationship with God for more money on the hour. To to, to for for I want to tell you, listen, you money cannot buy your relationship with God. Money cannot buy the salvation of your children. Money cannot buy peace and joy when you pillow your head. At of money. You say, well, I don't make what I could make. I don't make what so-and-so makes. Yeah, but you listen, you ought to just thank God for what you have this morning. If you got peace on your pillow, if you got joy in your heart, if you got a good family and a home and you're able to come to church on Sunday and Wednesdays, you ought to thank God for that. Listen, don't lose the things that money can't buy just to have the things that money can't buy. I'm talking about, friend, I'm not against materialism. If God gives it to you, thank him for it but be sure God gave it to you don't pursue after it don't hunt it down there are people that have chased the dollar and they've sold out every conviction they got just for more money only to find out in the year uh, they didn't obtain what they sought after and they lost everything they had in the process Amen. the principle this morning religion demands it what it does is it takes our devotion away from God that's what an idol does this morning you say, preacher, what is an idol? It's anything that you're more devoted to than God. Right. Right. It's anything that we give our leeches to. Is it wrong to play ball? Is it wrong to have things? Is it wrong to go hunting? Is it wrong to go fishing? None of those things are wrong within themselves other than golf. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I had a, a Pastors like to play golf. I don't know why. And they, sometimes when you're with them, they'll say, brother, do you golf? I say, no, I'm a Christian. That's what I always tell them. Well, like, oh, brother, why don't you try it? I, I would rather watch paint dry on that wall right there. Let's take a stick and a ball and knock it where it's, and it's always going to go opposite of where I want it to. And then have to run around. And I, and I told one preacher, I said, have you seen the britches guys wear when they go golfing? I mean, that just makes me nervous. Amen. I'm not dressing like that, pulling my socks up to my knees, and my—I'm not dressed. That's just foolishness to me. Now, if you do, have at it, Amen. I'm just telling you my opinion. That ain't about ounce of Bible in what I just said to you. But anything, anything you love more than you, anything we love more than we love God, has to go. Amen. And then wrong with having a bass boat. But if it takes you away from God, sell the boat. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you, listen, ain't nothing wrong with having guns, but if they take you away from God, sell them. Why? Because it can become an idol. It's not that, it's not that the shotgun is sinful. You know who it is? It's us. It's when we polish something and 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 set it up and say, I'm devoting a, 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 I was preaching Friday night in a church and and, a, and I walked in the pastor took me in the office there to uh, to put some things in there and uh, he said, now brother, before we open this door, he said, I got something in here I'm kind of a little embarrassed for you to see I got nervous <laughs> I said, well brother, if you're embarrassed, don't show me, amen <laughs> I don't want to see it he said, well, it's my office and and uh, some of my members bought it for me. He said, I'm a little embarrassed, and he opened it up, and he had his books on this side, but on this side, he had about four, I mean, really nice-looking pictures of Alabama Crimson Tide. I said, you're right, brother. I'd be ashamed to show that to anybody. I let him stew a minute. I said, I thought you was a man of God. I wouldn't show that to nobody. He said, you don't like football? I said, I don't like Alabama, amen, man. I said, now, if you'd had a bulldog up there, we might have forgave you for it, amen. (laughs) You say, preacher, uh, is is it wrong? Uh, It's wrong when it gets a hold of you, friend. It's wrong when, when it takes away from your prayer life, when it takes away from your Bible reading. It's wrong when, when you look forward to a, a Saturday game and you, and you can't wait for it to come and, and you sit there and, and you dress up and, and you put your, your colors on and, and you're all fired up about that and then you're asleep on Sunday morning while I'm preaching. That's wrong, friend. That's wrong. It's got a hold of you. I'm talking about religion demands that God wants our loyalty, our allegiance. That's the principle. You see, this morning, if he gets a hold of that, he'll just work anything that comes in and goes out. He'll work in your life. You don't have to come to the pastor and say, is this wrong? No. I'm telling you, when you're living by the principle of separation, the Holy Ghost will just show you. Then Revelation demands it. Look at verse number 16 this morning. He said, what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? What agreement do they have? And notice what he says here, for ye, this is, for ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I'll dwell in them and walk in them, and I'll be their God, and they shall be my people. Bible separation is a principle. And the principle of separation is that there are things that demands it in our life. Righteousness demands it. Uh, listen, reasoning, it just makes sense that now that I'm saved, I live a separated life. Redemption uh, demands that because I'm saved, I don't want to live that life anymore. And then can I tell you this more? Revelation demands it. God said, here, for you are the temple of the living God. Do you realize in the Old Testament, in Exodus chapter 22, God told Israel, that's always been God's heart, is that he would dwell amongst the people. And God said, I want you to build a town Tabernacle, and that tabernacle is going to have three parts. It's going to have an outer court, it's going to have an inner court, and it's going to have the holy of holies. Amen. And the outer court, uh, outer part, outer court is the part that was visible to everyone. Everybody could see the outer court. Everybody could visit the outer court. But then that uh, uh, that inner court was a little more mysterious. Amen. Uh, it was where the sacrifice was was taking place. And then that holiest of holies uh, is where the presence of God dwelt. Amen. Three parts. And they took that tabernacle everywhere and they broke it down, they set it up and you know what happened? The whole process of why that was there so God could be with them. And then the temple was built and the temple had three parts. The outer, the inner, it had three parts to it. When you get to the New Testament, there's a new temple and that's this temple that we're living in right now. And God desires the same thing today that he did in the Old Testament and that's to dwell with us. There's the outer part, there's the body. There's that inner part, the spirit that's a, or, the, or the soul that's a little more mysterious uh, and then there's that inner part that's the, the spirit, that's where the presence of God dwells uh, and when a man gets saved or a woman gets saved you know what happens? Uh, the Holy Spirit comes on the inside. Between that chamber of the soul and that chamber of the spirit, there's a little door right there. You know what that door is between them two chambers? Uh, it's the will of man. And I want to tell you something uh, if man will open up his heart if he'll open up the chamber of his spirit unto God. Do you know what Jesus said in Revelation 3 in verse number 20? He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Amen? I'm telling you, sinner, when God speaks to your soul, you know what he's doing? He's in the resources of your soul. I can't see it and I can't hear it, but if you're lost, he'll speak to your soul and he'll knock. And if you'll open that door, you know what he'll do? He'll walk in the chamber of your spirit and that dead spirit will come alive, thank God, and he will live there and he'll dwell there are all the days of your life, amen. And if you're saved, he's living in there. And what he'll begin to do in your life, He just like that verse says, he said, for ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I'll dwell in them. Does God dwell in you this morning? He said, I'll walk in them. He don't just dwell. You know, the day that we got saved, He moved in, didn't he? I got off my knees that morning. Something on the inside said to me, you don't have to say that no more. I prayed three times, God, don't send me to hell. God, don't send me to hell. And that third time when I said, God, don't send me to hell, I opened that door. He walked in and he said, you don't have to say that no more. Something else happened to me after I got saved. I bet you can relate to it if you're saved. Not only did he dwell, but he started walking. I went home. I didn't go home alone. Amen. Walked in that bedroom and the Holy Spirit said, turn that radio dial. He said, take them posters down off your wall. Go back to church. I didn't go to church, but on Sunday mornings. Go back to church tonight. He he said, "What's that?" Wasn't me. I didn't think that way. Somebody's walking in me. Hey, somebody walking in you this morning? I went back to church and something else happened that never happened before. Preacher got up and he, he started preaching on a sin I had before, but I never felt bad about it before. But he's preaching on that sin and he started walking in me. He said, hey, you do that. That's wrong. Would you give that up? And I went down the altar, put it on the altar. You all know this. You've done this many times. I thought that was the end of it. I felt so good. I said, man, I got victory. I didn't say victory, but I feel so good. I feel right with God. I felt right with God this morning, but I didn't feel right while the preacher was preaching. But now I feel right with God. I feel great. Until I went back to church Wednesday night. And he preached on something else. And then he told me, you need to start reading your Bible. And when I started reading the Bible, guess what? I ran across something that I did and it's the Holy Spirit started walking and said, you need to get that out of your life too. That's the way it is, isn't it? And 32 years later, he's still talking to me. He's still telling me, now you need to get this out of your life. He's still saying, you need to move up closer here. I don't buy this thing. When people, so I got it all fixed up, preacher. I don't buy that. I'll tell you when we're going to have it all fixed up, when we take that last breath and we go on the other side. The principle, I'll finish the sermon tonight. Don't worry, it gets worse, I promise. I'm just kidding. I won't ask you as we stand this morning.